This Week in HPC. The Demise of Moore's Law. Life Beyond Shrinking Transistors. It's This Week in HPC. Hi, everybody, and thanks for listening in to another episode of This Week in HPC by Intersect 360 Research and distributed at top500.org. I'm Addison Snell, and that's Michael Feldman. Michael, This Week in HPC, you published a blog on top500.org. It's been making the rounds through the HPC community. I thought we'd get on and talk about it. You put out a blog entitled Life Beyond Moore's Law. What are you talking about here? Well, I mean, I think we all know Moore's law is is on the is on the downside. At least that's what the smart money says today. It's they think they can get down to maybe seven nanometer transistors, maybe five nanometer transistors, but that's going to be fairly soon now. That's we're looking at the, the year 2020 for seven nanometers and five nanometers, just a couple of years beyond that. And there seems to be much less controversy about it than there has been in the past. It seems like we're actually running into these these hard limits. And um, it looks like it actually is going to end. And for the time being, there aren't any really replacement technologies that look like they're going to save us uh, in the next five years or so. So this does look like the end of of this era of, uh, of shrinking transistors. You know, one of the funnier quips I ever heard around this topic was that the number of people predicting an end to Moore's Law doubles roughly every 18 months. And I, it seems like, you know, we've been hearing this topic for a while. I can remember in the 1990s, maybe uh, almost 20 years ago, hearing people talk about the, the upcoming end of Moore's Law. But there you were talking about heat dissipation and the fact that, you know, it was hard to get heat out of processors after that people talked about the power wall, the memory wall. It seems like there's always been a, a reason why you couldn't continue to shrink the transistors going forward. Then uh, more recently than that, we got to the end of the frequency race, but we kept going with Moore's law, not by increasing frequency, but, uh, but, but by going to multi-core. It seems like now, though, you're right, we have seen a shift in the timbre of the discussion overall where it's not any of these manufacturing concerns that, that's talking about the end of Moore's Law, but we're getting down to some fundamental physics. Right. It's, it's materials now. There's there's certain right limitations on the size of the molecules and the materials they're, they're using to make semiconductors, and there's not too many ways around that. I mean, you know, Intel and some of the other Manufacturers have gone to what they're calling, you know, these 3D transistors that are able to 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 get around some of the uh, the smaller geometries, but eventually you have to deal with the actual molecules of the semiconductors themselves. And you're saying molecules? I mean, some of it is the the width of a silicon atom, right? right the silicon <laughs> atom itself, right? The silicon atom has a width, and there's only so many atoms wide that you can make a, a wire and and have it work, right? Right, right. Just the electrons have to have to find a, a substrate on which to, to travel, and if they get too small, they, they it won't work. So, um, so you're saying we can get down to five nanometers? You think, and that's going to happen uh, within the next eight years? You've got 2022 in your blog, and and that one's not even certain. But you think five nanometers is the last one for sure? Well, that's what that's what the experts think. Five nanometers is. Aren't you supposed to be an expert? You work for Intersect 360 Research. Well, I only play a physicist on on television, but 
five nanometers <laughs> seems pretty small to me. I mean, the, the interesting thing, that's about the same time we're going to see the first exascale supercomputers. So in that sense, uh, these things are sort of going to end at the same time. And it, it'll be interesting to see sort of how that exascale era plays out as transistors sort of just stop shrinking or as these new technologies uh, that we'll get to in a moment sort of come into play. It's sort of a weird coincidence that, that sort of these two uh, driving forces in computing are sort of coming together basically almost the same year. Well, all right. If you think that five nanometers is going to be the end, does that mean we're not going to have faster chips anymore? How are we going to get around it? You pointed to some alternate technologies in your blog. Right. There are alternate technologies, in fact. And, and I pointed out that these technologies are actually coming about because people now actually want performance increases over over and above what they're being delivered for Moore's Law. I mean, HPC is sort of this perfect example. They, they can't survive by Moore's Law alone, and they haven't done that for some time. Um, and now a lot of other places in IT is, are also looking at these technologies because they're looking for performance increases uh, above and beyond what, what just shrinking transistors will give them. So well, People will always look for performance increases, and that's not even uh, unique to the high-performance computing industry. Your phone right. has to get more powerful. Your your laptop has to get more powerful. Right, and those are, those are the, actually the areas that are driving, especially for power and performance. They're, the, the transistors aren't really shrinking fast enough for, for the demand now. So we're looking at things like, and I pointed out, there's there's 3D uh, semiconductor devices now that are just starting up. There's new architectures, new architectures like CPU, different architectures of CPUs, GPUs, of course, which we've talked about uh, quite a bit, um, and even more exotic architectures like the automata processor that Mike Haran has come up with. Uh, you know, we could throw FPGAs onto that, a few other exotic technologies, quantum computing technologies, but a lot of those, or some of those are in the further future, but things like 3D chips, some of the new architectures, and even uh, integrated chip technologies are being used today and, and will probably be used as sort of a stepping stone to uh, create better performance when the transistors stop shrinking. Well, you point out in your blog that uh, the 3D chip technology, in particular by Micron, also by Hynix, are, is already out there in the market. We're seeing more and more around 3D. Here's where, if anything, I have a bit of a quibble with uh, your, your blog, uh, because you right away you, you define Moore's Law quite appropriately and talk about the, the doubling of transistors per die area within every two years. Sometimes you hear two years, sometimes you have two, uh, sometimes I hear 18 months. Right. But, all right, if I start stacking them, aren't I still potentially doubling them per area? Is the, um, am I not continuing Moore's Law? Well, I mean, you'd be doubling them per maybe... 3D area, but I think that when they talk about no, no area is 2D area, it's volume, right? So it's consistent it's per volume, volume right. but I keep going up per area. That should count, shouldn't it? <laughs> well, if you if you extend Moore's law beyond two dimensions, maybe you could say that. But I mean, there's nothing. There's no magic to producing 3D chips as as high as you want. 
with the limitations of the through silicon via technology. Well, that's what that is the magic, and you that, point that, that is, out. Getting through silicon via is working is is the real challenge in building uh, thicker and thicker chips, or thicker in terms of the number of layers. Although I guess those layers themselves might be quite thin. Right, but I sort of consider 3D semiconductor devices sort of a, a scale out. Uh, uh, strategy, and in the same sense that you know, compute clusters are sort of scattered. You add more more devices and connect them in some way, and through silicon vias are very intimate with the chips that you don't have a interconnector and network connecting these things. But it's yeah. it's not on the silicon itself. You're actually doing it's another process where you're connecting individual individual dies into a into a larger device. So, if anything, I would have said that about multi-core, though. That going to multi-core, that's really you're doing scale out on a chip. It's yes, you're putting more transistors per die, but you're not making the individual chip faster. You're just doing more and more cores in the same area. I I have more of a. I think that's more of a challenge than the 3D stacking from an architectural approach or how you're using all of the the uh, silicon on the chip. I, if 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 that counts as an extension of Moore's law, I don't see why 3D doesn't also count as an extension of Moore's law. <laughs> well, I guess it's just a matter of right semantics. I mean, the die is, is what the transistors are being applied upon, and then you know if you if you consider Moore's law sort of a, a more general purpose uh, description beyond the die or, or or within the die, then yeah, you can you can change the uh, sort of the definition. But you're right. I mean, multi-core, many-core. Was was sort of a reaction to one of the one of the outcomes of transistor shrinkage that, that the power uh, envelope couldn't be surmounted anymore. They couldn't make the clocks faster; it would just heat up the chips. So in a it sense, just melt is the problem. Right. That aspect of of transistor shrinkage went away. So you had to do this multi-core. But in in five or eight years, you won't even be able to shrink the transistors anymore, supposedly, so that aspect will die completely, and you just have to sort of have this these static-sized transistors. Although, you know, we can even envision certain, you know, different manufacturers being able to play certain types of tricks to make the transistors somewhat smaller, somewhat more dense, you know, going to, you know, maybe even on the die, different 3D configurations that, that Intel has played around with some of the other manufacturers. But basically, uh, those transistors are going to be static eventually until they go to a new material that, like I talked about, graphene or optical computing or something more exotic. But like I said, those things don't appear to be able to advance enough to save us in time to, to take up where the, where the transistors left off. Well, I do see a strong future of, of 3D uh, chips in high-performance computing. It does seem to be the, whether or not you call it the end of Moore's Law, it does seem to be a strong path forward for packing more performance uh, into the chip, continuing that performance increase, even if you were to stop at uh, 7 or 5 nanometers going forward, that, that you have uh, potentially decades more of uh, advancements that you could get out of stacking, and it's just your attention switches over to the, the through silicon vias, as you were reporting. But that wasn't the only trick that you mentioned in your blog. You also spent some time talking about uh, systems on a chip. Right. There's systems on a chip and even new architectures, which is sort of the same thing. It's basically when the transistors stop shrinking, people are going to 
paying much more attention to rearranging those transistors into more efficient configurations. So, uh, you know, you'll have a certain number, you'll have a transistor budget, which is going to be static now, but you're going to have to use that in a, in a more creative way. So, and we're seeing that today, like you say, with system on chips uh, in the mobile space, and that's now moving into the server space because of the performance and power considerations. But uh, in five or eight years, I think there's going to be even more activity and more more focus on processor integration, putting more and more of of what would have been on the motherboard onto the onto the a die and and to have much more functional chips and to have the data paths very short and next to each other, um, you know, including. And even including memory, perhaps on the on the same chip as the uh, the processing elements. So uh, I think we're going to see more of that uh, after five to eight years, and it's it's going to it's going to change. I, I don't think that'll even take that long. If you look at the Intel strategy with with some of the technologies that they've been acquiring, I think they're quite likely to start incorporating more functionality onto the chip. Right. They've actually been doing that and talking about that for several years now. And of course, all of the, the mobile uh, chip vendors are doing it quite aggressively. But moving into the server space, Intel is sort of leading the pack there. They're talking about putting the network adapters on the chip. They're talking about, of course, the silicon photonics to move the data around the chip and, and other IP blocks. Um, but I think the difference is in five years, it'll be commonplace on server chips to have very integrated uh, processing elements uh, for, for anything. Well, it's certainly a, a trend that we're going to continue to watch going forward, uh, you know, in the in this industry, and, and not just this year, but uh, as you like to say, in the months and years to come. For those of you looking <laughs> for the full blog, it's on top500.org. It's entitled "Life Beyond Moore's Law." Post a comment there, or send us an email at this week in HPC at intersect360.com, and uh, we'd love to hear your thoughts on what we're looking forward to in HPC with Life Beyond. Moore's Moore's Law. But uh, uh, that'll wrap it up for this week, Michael. Thanks for uh, writing that blog. And thanks to everybody for listening in. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. You've been listening to This Week in HPC. 